Hey everyone, I'm Kayara. And I'm Mariam. And on Wednesdays, we do podcasts. We're just a couple of gals getting together once a week. And we hope that you can join us. And better yet, tell a friend. Hey Kayara. Hey Mariam. How have you been? Oh, it's been a long week. <laughs> has it? Oh, has it? Well, I feel like it's been a yeah, long week. I feel like that too, to be honest <laughs> with you. Lots going on. So much going on. So much going on. And so much that, you know, I'm really looking forward to talking to you about. Oh, good. So, I mean, let's start it off. Um, The name of this episode is... Sex, Drugs and the Rigmarole. Is is there a the or no the? The. Cool. Sex, Drugs and the Rigmarole. Yeah. So, I think it's pretty straightforward. Sex, Drugs... And all of the shit that comes with it. Mm. So. Yeah, messy. Messy, messy. And, I mean, if you follow us on our Facebook page, um, on Wednesdays we do podcasts, you will have seen um, us doing a little bit of background work on this episode because we really wanted to get straight into it. And then we started talking and we were like, (laughs) we don't know anything about it. Well, that's kind of it. And actually you've done a lot of the background work, particularly around the drugs side of things. Yeah, just FYI for everybody at home, I haven't taken drugs no, to do not, the background work. That is not the research <laughs> that was done. <laughs> Would have been a more fun way of doing it, but no, I've done a lot of background work and um, I, but just for everyone listening at home, thank you so much for all of your really honest feedback and help that you've given me. Yes. You know, because I'm definitely an ignorant, ignorance is bliss type of gal when it comes to this sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. nothing that it personally affected me with. So I was like, I'm too busy for this shit. I don't care. But I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to start by talking about the drug side of things. Obviously, you've heard in the media at the moment a lot about this pill testing thing, Mariam. It's all I seem to read about and hear about lately. And can I say it's interesting because I I think similar to what you said, ign- the ignorance is bliss part in my mind, I was just like, well, this doesn't really have anything to do with me immediately, so whatever, I'm not really thinking about it. But once I did start reading about it more and more, some of the arguments that are pro-pill testing made sense just when, you know, we're thinking about young people dying. Yeah. You know? For sure. So pretty straightforward. The question was, do you think that we should implement pill testing at music festivals? Yes, no. Now, The resounding vote for yes was the winner. Does this constitute any sort of legal changes? Absolutely not. This is just a poll on a fucking Facebook page. But but it was like, okay, well, everybody wants it. And by everybody, I mean the greater majority. Mm. Um, Why aren't we doing this? And that's when I really went in and looked for the reasons why we're not doing it. Why aren't we doing it? So... From what I can work out, and this is from the perspective of a 26-year-old girl who inboxed a heap of politicians and emailed them and heard no responses back because I am about this small for everybody watching at home, <laughs> like a centimetre between my fingers, in the scheme of people. But I wanted answers and I'm not bloody getting them. <sighs> but from what I can work out, the reason why we're not doing it is because the chain of responsibility is just too messy. Because if you let people do drugs, you're condoning doing them and letting illegal substances into music festivals. That's the end of it. Yes, and then when someone ODs or, you know, bad things happen... You let them take the drugs. And then it's kind of like then that responsibility falls on you and that's your... Yeah. Yeah, it's such a 
What a sticky situation. Yeah, look, and if this is a monochrome society, we are in a grey area. This is not black, this is not white, it is grey. So I think what most people go is, okay, yes, we're aware we're going to be letting some drugs into some music festivals, but at least the ones we're letting through are going to be a very small proportion of the ones that get tested. So I'm going to hit you with some facts, Mariam. Okay. Some figures, and I've rounded these off to keep them pretty casual for a podcast. (laughs) So... With some studies that have come from overseas mostly and the one music festival that got led in in Australia for some uh, pill testing, everybody that sent their pills in for testing at the music festival got their reports back, right? So, hey, your ecstasy tablet that you thought was ecstasy is 25% ecstasy and the rest shit, right? Some bits and pieces, Mm -hmm. whatever. Would you like to keep it or would you like us to dispose of it confidentially? 90% of the people ask them to dispose of the tablets for them. That's huge. That's massive. So you give the power back to the person and the knowledge back to the person and they're going, you know what, I thought that was ecstasy, not 25% ecstasy, and the rest, I don't know, bleach or whatever that is they cut them with. (gasps) But the 10% of people is what the problem is, right? So the reason why we haven't moved forward is because the 10% of people take their drugs back and then are led into the festival confidentially with the festival fully knowing that they now have people on premises taking illegal substances. Tough, yeah? Really tough. But I think what the people that are in government now need to do is go, okay, should we just call it and go for the greater good? Yeah, I I feel like they should because we've got to give people a bit of credit, you know? Even though these are a lot of young people, it's not like young people can't make a good decision. I mean, listen to what you just said then. We're talking over half, well over half. We're talking pretty much everybody. Yeah. Bar so, a small percentage. Yeah. And I want to I want to throw it back there to the days of um, the heroin epidemic in Australia. So let's throw ourselves onto the Sydney King's Cross back decades ago, probably when our parents were around. The heroin epidemic, so when people are injecting themselves with dirty needles, mm. was spreading HIV and hepatitis like it was a plague, oh. right? Um, so what the government implemented was a for the greater good process, safe injecting rooms and the clean needle program. Now, people don't need safe injecting rooms and clean needles if they're not injecting drugs. Am I right? Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they know that they're doing the drugs, but at least they're doing them in an environment off of the streets of Sydney in this particular case, not leaving the dirty needles on the side of the street so that unsuspecting victims don't get needled and they can have the clean needles dispose of them safely and all statistics show that the rates of hepatitis and HIV went down like dramatically hugely wow so I just don't see how this is vastly different I don't either what a great way to tie that in like I didn't because I didn't actually know that yeah that's really interesting it is really interesting so I think it's like the you know while we're talking about sex too remember the uh, back in the day, the only way of not getting pregnant was abstinence. Yes. But people were still getting pregnant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they weren't abstaining. Yeah. So people thought, you know what we'll do? We'll give out free condoms. Yep. And you know what? People weren't getting pregnant. Yes. The STDs went down, but kids were still having sex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at least they're doing it safely. So they realised people are still going to do it. We're not going to condone it, Mm. but we're going to make it as safe as possible. And that's what this is really all about, you know. Rather than, I think, guilting people or pointing fingers and saying people are bad, which is hard, you know, you also aren't trying to say, hey, everyone, here's some drugs. 
So this is where it's sticky. But at the same time, I have a friend who's 21. She just turned 21 and she's very passionate about this. And she said to me something the other day, okay, so they might have done drugs, but that doesn't mean they deserved to die. Meaning the way that some young people feel so shamed in it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I was sort of like, I don't know. It's all a little bit sticky and maybe people just shouldn't do it. And then it's safe. And she's like, but they're going to do it anyway. Does that mean that they deserve to die because they thought they were taking something that was something it's not? Yeah. I mean, this brings up a whole nother debate. And when all of these, uh, you know, people messaged out me and my, our page, they were like, I was like, okay, ask them, do they want pill testing? Yes or no. And then they inboxed me and I said, okay, well, why is it that you or your friends or whomever it is that you're associating to are doing drugs at music festivals? Mm. And I just couldn't believe, because I'm not into the music festival scene, Mm. I don't like big groups of people and I don't like noise. So um, a music festival is not the place for me. But if I did go, I'd be going for the music. Yes. But a lot of people have said, I take drugs at music festivals because I cannot afford to drink at them. I've heard that too. And I just, I'm like, wow, is that really a good enough excuse? But for these people, it is genuinely their reason for taking drugs. Unlike a lot of people that are drug addicts, these people are what are considered recreational drug users. And that's why I think on a broader scheme, we need to just take the music festival thing away from all of this Mm. and go, shouldn't drug testing be available everywhere? Shouldn't you just be able to walk into, for example, like an IMVS or a you know, the labs that do your blood tests and go, hey, I have this tablet. Can you please confidentially tell me what's in it? Because does it matter if they're at a drug festival, like at a drug festival, at a music festival? Yeah, exactly. I agree. Or if it's a Saturday night, like people should be able to feel safe. I agree. Then we need to obviously get to the bottom reason as to why people are doing drugs Mm. and all of that sort of stuff. But let's just skim the surface of it. Well, skim the surface because at the end of the day, They're not going to stop. It's just like the abstinence thing. You can tell kids. I was probably the only kid in my grade at school who sat down when I was in grade four or five, so 10, 11 years old, and they came. What's his name? Henry the giraffe comes Harold. Harold the giraffe with the life van. And they told us a story about a girl who had taken a pill when she was 14. She went to a party, took a pill. Um, She didn't know what it was, and she dropped dead. I was that kid in class that heard that and went, great, I'll never touch that. But that doesn't mean every other kid thinks that. Most people do do it and um, are going to continue doing it even if we tell them don't, you could die. Side note, the funding for the life education van, which Harold works out of, has been cut by the government. Oh. So it's like, hey, Harold, I remember you. Mariam, who's like, you know, six or seven years older than me, remembers Harold. Yes, I remember. And the kids of today don't get to see Harold because they've implemented too much money into making sure there's fruit in people's fucking lunchboxes. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's really interesting. They say that they care about these kids. But do they? (laughs) I don't know. Because, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. What if they're cancelling Harold? Harold... (laughs) Taught me to stay away from certain Harold things. Harold fucking changed my life. Harold taught me how my anatomy even worked. Yeah, man. Harold taught you about sex and drugs. Everything. Yep. Via puppets. Wow. <laughs> Via puppets, which we discussed last yes, week. Yes, yes. How great how everything just ties in with our podcast. <laughs> it's all related to everything else that we discuss. Yeah. Everything we say. So, I mean, everybody's going to have different opinions on this, and that's the coolest part about this. You can be sitting in your car and absolutely disagree with it. Yes, of course. And that's fine, you know, but what we're saying is I don't take drugs, but I understand why people might. I don't condone it, but if we're going to do it, let's do it as safe as we possibly can. I 1,000% 
am with this. It's a little bit like the underage drinking thing in Mean Girls when she's like, I'd rather you just did it at home. Now, I'm not saying, I've really got to say, I'm not condoning underage drinking publicly and going on the record as saying that that's fine. My parents did. My parents gave me drinks when I was like 16. Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, if we're opening it up. I was this, so when I was in grade 11 and 12, you know, 16, 17, and I went to a party, mum just was all about keeping the conversation open. Yeah. So she'd be like, cool, here are a couple of vodka cruises. That's what you're allowed. And that's, that's your you limit. And that's all you can have. Whatever you do beyond that, I don't want to know about it, but you are home by this time and I'm allowing you this. And it was just so, because she knows if we keep it all dirty and secret, who knows what I could get up to. Whereas because I felt we had an honest um, and open relationship where we could communicate about this stuff it created a safer environment and then my sister who's 10 years younger than me when she was coming up and starting to go to parties she reached out to me and we would have these discussions I didn't go out and buy her alcohol because I told her I wasn't comfortable to do that because my mum would kill me I was like you have to kind of have that conversation with your mum but talk to me about what's going on if you ever need someone to pick you up or if you are too drunk please call me let's I don't want you to ever feel guilt or shame around it and so going back with this the pill testing thing that's what I think. When guilt and shame is around stuff, I think that's when it can be dangerous, even more dangerous, sorry, than it already is and 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 when everything then can become secret and silent and people are scared to speak. Whereas if we can... And that's why Kaya and I are happy to open these conversations, whether you agree or not, because it's by talking things and shedding light on subjects and putting them out in the open that we can bring them to light and talk about it openly and, that, and then it creates that kind of... Just start conversations about yeah, stuff. and you know what? Even if it turns into be a debate, at least we're fucking talking about it. We're talking about it. Because like, what totally. frustrated me most was I got in touch with three politicians via email, right? And I said, hey, Kayara from the Riverland, 26, I want to know the reasons why we can't do this, right? Tell me the reasons why we can't. Yeah. And not only did they not tell me the reasons why they can't, they just didn't get back to me. And this has been a whole week mm. of me emailing them and trying yep. to get in touch. So I'm a voter, right? I'm enrolled to vote. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm asking you the reasons why we can't do it. I'm not being confrontational. I'm like, hey, is there a particular reason why we haven't implemented this yet? And Just they, so we know. So just I so have we the knowledge. Know. So I have I the know. knowledge, yeah. yeah. Because mm. obviously there's a reason why we haven't done it. Mm. But I think this, the thing is nobody wants to be the person that puts their hand up and goes, I allowed pill testing and the 10% of people that chose to take their drugs with them have consequently overdosed, whatever. But they're forgetting the fact that they saved 90% of people's lives that day. And that's on a huge scale. Like, let's just pretend that everybody's 90% would have killed them. But, like, let's just put it back to that. We're doing it for the greater good. And Mm. that's a really hard thing to say because the other side are saying the same thing. They're saying we're stopping pill testing for the greater good because it condones people taking drugs. Yes. Sit back, people. People are taking drugs anyway. (laughs) Exactly. People are taking drugs anyway. I'm really sorry. Let's be in the real world. Let's be in the real world. I agree with everything you're saying. Let's give kids condoms. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Please give kids condoms. So I think we, well, we we obviously sit on the same side of this in that we're not saying, we're not condoning that sort of thing, but we are saying maybe we should just allow the testing. And the fact of the matter is if it doesn't work, we haven't really done anything. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. It's, it's not like loosening gun laws or anything like that. It, it, the fact of the matter is it can't get any worse, Mariam. Exactly. People are dying oh, all the time. Heart. Yeah. And it can't get any worse. I had, I actually had um, some people contact me and I was like, okay, why are you not for pill testing? And this is a very small percentage, 
but they actually responded with, if they're stupid enough to take drugs, they deserve to die. (gasps) And that's their opinion. No, no, that's their opinion. And I understand the concept, right, because I don't take drugs. And I'm like, okay, I get that. Like, if the one drug I took killed me, that would be very unfortunate. But it's like I bought it upon myself. It's like doing extreme sports and all of that sort of stuff. You've got to know that there's something on the other side that could kill you. However, you you don't want that. Nobody deserves that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's a bit extreme to ever say someone deserves to die. Yeah. I wouldn't wish that on my sworn enemy. No. And I've got a few. But, you know, you think about it, you know, my partner, he rides motorbikes, and every time he gets on that and does a jump on the motorbike, he knows that that could end in a broken bone or, or life, you know, you could die. However, nobody's sitting there pushing him off of it. He's taking all of the precautions, wearing the safety stuff, all of that sort of thing. And everybody would feel sorry for him if something happened. Exactly. So if you just spin it on the head, motorbike riding isn't illegal, drugs are. Mm. However, I still feel so sorry for that person and their family if it happened. Nobody deserves that. Not one person. A 22-year-old uni student out at a music festival, planning to have a great day with friends, deciding to do something against maybe their better judgment or to fit in or for whatever their reasons are, and then that turning into them losing their life is an absolute tragedy. Whether you're so far against drugs that you just think that like that's to me that's not helpful. No. It's <laughs> so not. they don't deserve to die. Are you kidding? They don't deserve to die. We need to do something and something needs to be done. And you know what? This could be another thing. And I know we want to talk about it in one of our episodes later when it comes to what makes us who we are, how our relationships with our parents, but this also does come back to parenting and things that you learn when you, you're younger and the conversations you have. Like obviously once you hit a certain age and you go out and live your own life, of course your decisions are on you, not your parents. But, you know, having those kind of open conversations with your kids can stop them from going down that path of doing anything silly. Yeah, Because I I do think that, honestly, there's a lot of stupid stuff I avoided doing when I was a teenager that I know a lot of my friends were doing because I spoke to my mum a lot about them. And I know that my friends, well, I could never talk to my parents about that. I don't know. I kind of thought because I had those open conversations with my mum, I was able to avoid a lot of those things. And it doesn't even have to be parenting, Mariam. This is all about the people that you surround yourself by, which we discussed, you know, multiple times throughout this series. But if you are doing drugs for no other reason that you feel you have to, maybe just take a really good look and go, are there somebody, is there somebody else maybe that I could have attended this with today that wouldn't have made me feel that way? Yes. I mean, that's probably, that's the crux of it. And that's the behind the scenes stuff that the government also need to implement. This isn't just about drug testing. This isn't about sniffer dogs. This isn't about any of that. It's the bottom line. But we're at the, we're skimming the surface. And on the surface, this needs to happen for now. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. Moving on to our next sort of subject, I guess the sex piece yep. of of our sex, drugs and rigmarole and, and the rigmarole, I wanted to address something that it's kind of, uh, I'm like, look at me all scared to introduce it. It's kind of topical. I kind of was curious on your perspectives on this, Kyara, because, you know, we're living in times now of fourth wave feminism, 
the Me Too movement, all of that sort of stuff. But in that, um, I feel the whole slut shaming thing has been brought to light. And now more than ever before, it seems to be given a mainstream platform. Uh, so firstly, I guess, do you know what the definition of slut shaming is? Oh, like by definition, what would oh, I consider it to be? Yeah, well, I have the official definition. Can I hit you with mine first? And then we'll go first. Um, so I guess what mine is, is hearing or seeing something somebody's done and judging them for that. Oh, that's a v- that's probably pretty much pretty much less dictionary, it. but yep. But pretty much it. The action or fact of stigmatizing a woman for engaging in behavior judged to be promiscuous or sexually provocative. Why this is always sort of brought up, particularly recently, is because it's sort of that old thing, which it's going to sound so old-fashioned to some of you, because I know some of you, but to others it might not. But if a man were acting the same way, it wouldn't be even no one would even bat an eyelid. And yet women are sort of expected to act a certain way and therefore it's considered slutty. I have a thing I say with some of my friends where there's no such thing as sluts because when you think about where the word derived from and what it even represents and what it means, it's just stupid. So have you ever experienced slut shaming, Kyara? Um, personally? Or have... No, or, or have I, you, I've never... I don't think I've ever been called a slut. Have you ever slut shamed somebody? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's all I want. So I feel like this does happen in the city and the country. There's no slut shaming does not discriminate, but I feel like it's perhaps worse in the country only because it's a smaller place. So it's more obvious in the country. Yeah. So I, since living here, which has been 10 months, have, and I've only heard it a couple of times, mind you, but a couple of times in different social situations have been told, oh, that girl's pretty bad because she slept with all these guys. So don't be friends with her. Or, oh no. And another time, totally unrelated, different people, different girl. Oh, you wouldn't like her because she slept with my friend's brother. And trust me, she's a total slut. So these are the languages I'm hearing from women talking about other women. So I want to be clear before we keep diving into it that first of all, where I stand on this and what I would want to share with any woman going through this or who's been bullied or left isolated from this, I don't think there is such a thing as a slut and I definitely don't slut chain people. I think that there are men who sleep with lots of people and women that sleep with lots of people and it's just none of my business. I've never been uh, slut shamed myself. I've never experienced that but I have been around people that have. And so I've sort of seen the first yeah, hand sure. effects. Have you been around people that have? Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? absolutely. And like we do it internally as friends, but, you know, never on a thing to make somebody feel lesser than. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, did you really have to sleep with him? Or, oh, right. You know, but then I'm also like, well, you know, was it fun? <laughs> was he any good? You know? <laughs> um, but That's not shaming No, someone. but it's, it's not. But it's also none of my business. I think with <laughs> friends, so you've hit a point there. I feel like when you're friends with someone and it's within your little friends and you talk about that, I do think it's a different kind of conversation. And perhaps if there is any sort of, you know, you want, oh, babe, are you doing, what are you doing or whatever, that's kind of between you and your friends. Yeah. That's a little bit yeah, different sure. to what I... I mean, I um, am one of those people that I've had people go, oh, God, she's, she gets around. Like, bloody good on her, you know. <laughs> she gets around, see, yeah. She gets around. And, Isn't like, good so on her, hard. you know. I, the fact of the matter is not everybody has the, you know, capacity or the, the luck that other people do with having somebody to be with every night, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like we all have needs and we all have wants and sometimes you don't have that person to satisfy them and if that is what you need in that particular time and place and it makes you feel better mm. or um, they make you, you know, happy, then what? what is the then shame in it? And exa- that's exactly what I want to say. I feel like... Um, 
you know, there should be no, there should be none. Now, obviously, you know, let's, um, how do I explain? I'm not saying let's all go nuts and like hurt people. It's, I want to be really clear. Obviously, I always say as long as it's consensual and everyone is safe and you're not hurting anyone. So meaning, you know, you're not going off with someone else's partner or whatever and trying to cause problems in other people's relationship. If it's all consensual and safe, it's just not anyone's business. And if you've perhaps heard that, you know, some person has gone and then been with someone and then you've heard a few months down the track she's been with someone else or whatever you've heard, just try and ignore it and try and really look maybe why that bothers you because I just don't think that it's something we should be... I just don't like it because we wouldn't... And we wouldn't do it to guys uh, at least I know that it, it happens a lot less. Yeah, I don't it know. It just is almost I, seemed normal. I talked to my partner's friends. I was like, do you guys talk about sex? Like, do you speak of your, and I'm putting my little fingers up, conquests? Like, that's such a terrible word. Like, do you speak about the people that you sleep with with your mates? And they're mm. like, nah. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? And they're just like, we just don't talk about it. And sometimes I feel like girls are their own worst enemies in this sense. Like, I, I can honestly say that, me and my friends talk about it mm. in an open and honest way, whether it be learning from each other, you know, um, debriefing on something, you know, maybe uh, somebody did something that they originally thought made them happy and then looking back on it maybe didn't. What would we do different in the future? Um, those sorts of things. So I know a group of guys who will send Snapchats to each other during. And, okay, yeah, and, so and you know some keep tally boards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think it's, we can't, it's hard. They, and same with, yes, I know what you mean about girls, but then I also know girls who will never say what they're up to. I and guess. I was probably like that when I was in my heydays, you know, certainly probably in my early to mid-20s, I went through my own phase of just running amok around town and I kept a lot of things to myself unless I felt safe. But similarly, there are people that would, would talk about it openly. I think that it's hard to kind of generalise or say, well, girls just talk about it all the time and guys don't. No, but what I am what I mean is, like, as a f- female, I thought that blokes went and high-fived and, you know... Pumped their chest. Pumped their chest and yeah. stuff. But not yeah. everybody does that. And and same with women. I, you know, our friendship group is very open and honest and, and you know, forthcoming with whether it be advice or, you know, um, giving somebody some future pointers on who to look for and all of that sort of stuff. But it's just not like that. There is no norm when it comes to this, is there? No, I think it's, and it's one of those ones too that will never, and when I say we, I mean as a society, are never all going to agree. You know what I mean? Meaning no matter how much, so I feel like our generation in my age group, your age group and a bit younger are going to come up a little bit more open-minded about a lot of variety of things. But uh, but this so it can seem like there's going to be all this change or there's going to be different view, but it won't really ever change. I don't think things are ever going to totally change. And meaning that I can sit here and say till the cows come home, everyone don't slut shame and just let people live their lives. It's not going to necessarily change. Not one person's opinion. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, but I think that at least by us talking about it, next time you go to do it, you might step yourself back. Yeah, I know that since we've been discussing this, I've found myself doing things that. Um, you know, I didn't think I did, but now that I'm aware of it, like, you know, conscious recognition, cognitive recognition oh, is yes, set in and I'm just yes. like, hang on, I told people not to do that and I'm doing it. Slap myself on the wrist and I'm like, no, I'm not going to um, even think about what that person's wearing because it has no impact 
on me. Yeah, right. Why am I thinking about it? So maybe now, you know, next time, um, you know, I hear so-and-so slept with so-and-so, I'm just going to be like, cool, yeah, move on. Yeah. And you know another thing I think too with that, when you hear so-and-so, so-and-so, I also think people can change. So let's just say that there is someone that might have done some bad things or stuff that's perceived bad or maybe behaved in a way that, and then everyone found out about it. That doesn't mean that they now don't deserve to have friends. And what if people over the years, you know, grow, change and reflect? Like, I know that there are ways that I used to behave when I was younger that were really just selfish and stupid and things that I used to do. And and I remember one time I was so reckless with like work and not taking responsibility and different things that when my dad went away on holidays one year, he gave my brother a spare key to his house, but not me. And when I asked him, oh, can I have the spare key too? And he was like, well, no, because the way you've been acting lately, when I get back, we need to have a conversation because what are you doing? And I was like, oh, and that's kind of a story for another time. But when I sat down with my family and they kind of had to give me some home truths about my behaviour on a lot of different levels, I was like, wow, this is really shit to hear. And I hate everyone for talking to me about this. But then over the years after that, the couple of years, I did force myself to grow and change. And I would hate to maybe have been labelled a certain way back then. And though don't, you know, Mary used to be like this, used to be like that. And in some ways, that's why maybe I think I do go around now kind of like even when I moved here and people might say, oh, don't be friends with them, they have a past or don't know that person because of this. I'm like, well, they might have changed. Or does that mean they're not allowed to, to change or have... Oh, do you know what? Do you know what I mean? People are so much fun whether... Sorry. People are so much fun whether they sleep with people or not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just feel like every person has a story and something that you can learn from. And maybe that person can give you a good tip on a nice position or something. I don't yeah. know. I was not expecting you to say that. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, yeah, because that's another thing too. And and it doesn't matter whether you've had multiple partners or the same partner or whatever. Women enjoy sex, right? There's this thing like, oh, girls don't like sex. (laughs) Can I give you this? This is the best saying I've ever heard. So people think that men enjoy sex more than women. Mm. But you know you get an itchy ear? Yeah. Like you get an itchy ear and so you like stick your finger in it. Yeah. And you scratch it with your finger. Yeah. What feels better, the finger or the ear? Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe we're going here. <laughs> yeah. Mind blown. Mind blown. I'm not answering that, but yes. Guys, yeah, the exactly. ear feels better. <laughs> yeah, exa- well, exactly, because yeah. it's fixed. Hello. Oh, see, now I want to talk about all these other things. We should. We could at another time. We should do an do R-rated a- episode. <laughs> we could. But I'm glad we agree. And, well, I love that. Agree on what? But I'm glad we agree. Women love sex and uh, there are men that like to sleep with multiple partners. There are women that like to. There are men that have one. There are women that have Whatever people are doing, it's got nothing to do with us. As long as everyone's safe, as long as it's consensual and you're all feeling mentally healthy and fine, cool. Because, you know, there is also that when people uh, have that self, you know, that just, when people are, like, self-destructive or behaving in a way because... They're filling voids and things. Yeah. And, but that's a whole other story. You know of if that's you out there, hun. Yeah, you kind of know. <laughs> if you're listening, you know that that's It's like, you. <laughs> do you, hun? But also be careful and maybe just have a little, hey, oh, this is what I wanted to share today too. Yeah, go. So I found this really cool thing about this mental health checklist. And I've actually, I actually, I posted on my Instagram earlier in the week and I, uh, 
I never really get people message me back or yep. or private message me. Um, but slip this, into your DMs. No, yeah, slip into the DMs. <laughs> Don't really get a lot of people sliding in. But in this instance, a lot of people, um, mostly women, messaged me. Cool. Um, and pe- women from here around the Riverland just mentioning that they were going to do this mental health check-in list. Cool, fill and us in. What does I it will. say? So it's called the Midweek Mental Health Checklist. And I think this does tie into everything we're discussing here because, you know, whether it is how you're feeling on whatever your lifestyle is and whatever lifestyle choices you're making, I always say as long as you're safe, that's the important piece here. And when I say safe, I don't just mean your physical safety, but think about your mental and emotional safety too. So this checklist asks you to write down all your current feelings, highlight the positive ones, think about what and or who triggers these positive feelings so what's triggering when you're feeling good? What might have made you feel good? Or who and then Or who. Yeah. And then plan more time for those positive triggers. But also really ref- like look at what those negative triggers were and what could we do to avoid those. Is this why you just hang out by yourself? <laughs> yes. Okay. Because I'm my own best friend. <laughs> um, and it's an interesting point Kyra has just made there because I, uh, I have a lot of friends back home and a lot of family and that kind of thing and quite a busy social life. And I find that sometimes it gets too busy and you try and do all these things. When I moved here, I definitely was trying to get very involved in life here, but I am not really, I'm not really enjoying a lot of the recent experiences I've had just with people. Um, And so I've definitely withdrawn. I mean, I'm an introvert anyway, my whole life. So I always am happiest probably on my own, but particularly for me, I am so all over this mental health stuff mm. because, you know, I've had a really severe history with it. So I can't, I constantly have to be probably Mindful. obsessively yeah. on top of it. And one of the things is when it comes to these triggers, I'm so aware of my triggers and unfortunately negative people can be triggering. So it's kind of like, well, if I know I go there, I'm going to be around this person and that person and that's not going to make me feel good, so I'll not go there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Now what you the mean. balance there, though, is making sure that you just then never go anywhere because you don't know who's going to be there, and you get just scared, right? So yeah. it's absolutely a balance. But while you, when you do exercises like the midweek mental health checklist, and you do write down your feelings and you do reflect and check in on yourself, how am I feeling physically, mentally, emotionally? By being conscious of that, it does actually help you create safer environments for yourself. Obviously, don't go too extreme where you completely isolate yourself, which I have been doing lately. But also, at the same time, um, do, you, you just got to do what, what feels right. But it's only by really... This list has... I, I sat down and did this yesterday yeah. and it, I've had a really bad week the last week, but I found when I did this list, I realised I hadn't done any of the positive things the last week. And it made me feel a little bit less like, okay, I'm not such a mess. It's just that there hasn't been a lot of self-care and there hasn't been a lot of the positive triggers that I need to yeah. to survive those sort of negative situations. Does any of this even make sense or am I just like going round and round? I don't know. It definitely makes sense. But I guess I haven't got the same sort of experience with mental health. So I'm one of yes. those people that just fills my life with anything positive, negative, because I'm like all of this has a lesson, all of this has something to learn So I'm one of those people that keeps myself busy socially, mentally, physically. Well, probably not as physically as I would have liked. Um, (laughs) All of those that go to the gym. Um, But, you know, I'm one of those people that, like, I really don't have time for this. Mm. However, I will, like, subtract something, you know, whether it be 
going for a walk or something just to squeeze that little bit of something in because it's good yes. for my mental, you know, that's what's good for my mental health is keeping myself full of positive and negative experiences because I always try and find a lesson in them and that's just my thing. But yes. that's, I don't have the same sort of background and, and maybe uh, issues. That's I've got my own fucking issues, but, you know, I don't have the same <laughs> mental health issues that you have had to deal with. So I'm always putting myself out there looking for more, whereas you're sort of trying to extract pieces from your life, which is cool. Like that's why everybody's different. And this is what we've said so many times and that's why this is so cool because it's just opening conversations up, learning about one another and, you know, that's it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there are going to be many Kyaras out there and many Mariams out there and many in-betweens. Yeah. It's just sharing stories. Yeah, I love it. That's a really cool part about it. And, Mariam, you know, I went to this um, uh, women's, like, SA women's event this morning and there was, I think it was 15 of us ladies and everyone there, you know, because you introduced yourself, hi, I'm Kayara, Um, and I told them a little bit about me and then I'm like, oh, you know, and um, on the side in my spare time, lol, um, I'm doing this podcast and everyone's like, oh, I've heard about that podcast. I'm so excited about it. And I'm like, why are you Love. excited about it? And they're like, oh, because we just don't have anything like that with real people. Like, I'm sure oh. there's lots out there, but, you know, it's just so exciting to hear all of this. And, you know, Mariam and I are looking for feedback and, and you girls to, well, girls, listen, anyone to tell us what that you want to hear. And, um, you know, maybe if you want us to expand on, on one of our episodes in more detail. Yes, or, if you've heard anything that's piqued your interest and you're thinking, can we delve into that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, like, if you want any sort of help with... Um, you know, all of this mental health sort of your check-ins. Mariam's definitely going to be able to give you some skills on that, you know. Heaps. Yeah. So Done a lot of work on it. It's <laughs> a personal work. You know, I'm definitely not the person to talk to because I'll just be like, get back up there and that's not what you need to hear. Um, so that's the really cool part about this. Um, you know, we're really looking forward to hearing what you guys think and um, feel. And you've made a really good point there about, like, I'm glad you've brought that up about sharing and making sure... Making sure people know that they can, sorry, I just smacked myself in the face. Making sure people know that they can share because our whole point is empowering the women here. Yeah. You know, so if you ever want to reach out and have something that you want to share, you've liked something, you haven't liked something, you just want to join in the conversation, we very much encourage that. Yeah. I saw this thing um, earlier that said, real queens fix each other's crowns. Yes. And I love that. I love that. Um, you know, somebody at work calls me Queen K because I'm super duper sassy. But, um, you know, I will never, ever push somebody off of their chair to sit at the table. No. You just got to pull up another chair and sit next to them. I heard that from a woman today. Beautiful. And it just blew my mind. I was like. I love that. So, you know, this is a place where everybody can pull up a chair. Opinions, um, anything that you message us is completely confidential. Happy to talk about anything if you want to bring anything up with us. But I think uh, reflecting on today, it's all about um, doing things that you want to do safely. That's totally <laughs> it. Oh, my God. That's exactly it. Yeah. So Safely. I'm, yeah. I think that we definitely need to do a deeper episode on uh, mm. one of the points of this episode. I'm really looking forward to that. We'll get some feedback on the sex part of this ladies' <laughs> message in. <laughs> Even if it's not a podcast episode and we just get together and talk about it <laughs> with whoever wants to join and we make a night of it. Oh, boys that are listening. <laughs> we don't do this sort of shit. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> As always, remember, you do you, hun. Have a great week, guys. Bye.